0: Welcome to the Strategy Session Podcast, where ASI's editors provide tips and tactics to help promotional product professionals improve their businesses. In every episode, we go one-on-one with a business strategy expert to gather winning insights. The conversations are sure to be insightful and entertaining. Hi, I'm Nicole Rollander, Wearables Editor, and on this week's Strategy Session Podcast, we welcome special guest David Bebon. David, who's the CEO at New York City-based D. Apparel, is an expert on apparel trends, sourcing, and decoration. He's an industry veteran who spent 18 years as Executive Vice President of Capital Mercury Apparel. David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Good morning. Thank you, Nicole. Thanks for having me. We're excited to have
0: you since you're such an expert in in the area of wearables and the industry and such an industry veteran, so I can't wait to get to your um, insights, so let's get started.
1: Okay, I'm ready.
0: All right. So what's your outlook for the decorated apparel market for the next year or two?
1: I think we're in very good shape. Um, I think from what happened in 2008 when we all fell off the cliff with a horrible financial downturn, I think um, from what I see, people are busy. Unemployment looks good in this country. Uh, The people I have contact with are busy. There's a lot of business out there to be had. And I think people are finding a much bigger value in the the, uh, ASI or the decorated apparel industry. Um, I think we're in good shape. I find we're healthy. And uh, I think we're going to have another couple of very good years coming forward as we go into 2016.
0: Well, that's fantastic. You know, one of the trends that we see... um at retail is customization uh, you know personalization of garments um you know you can you can buy hard goods and and apparel and have them personalized and and i would say in the decorated apparel industry in the last few years uh this has been a trend that's gaining momentum and you know industry experts that i talk to say that if you're a decorator or distributor on the cutting edge you're going to sort of be uh, promoting customization of, you know, uniforms and other goods and and other, um, you know, things for other types of end users. So, uh, what what are you seeing in our industry? Will this become more prevalent? Uh, do you see that uh, maybe larger, smaller businesses or different types of organizations? Like, who's the best target for for this type of um, customization?
1: I think we're going to see more customization. Um, I think you're right on target in saying we are seeing more of it out there. The target customer, in my opinion, is the service industries, the resort, hospitality industries. The reason customization means something is because it allows you and your company to stand out, which is the whole point of our promotional products industry. We want to promote our companies, we want to promote our employees. And to have something that's distinctly yours, i.e. a custom shirt, a custom uh, knit polo, a custom jacket in your colors or in some design that's distinctly yours, allows you to further stand out. It also brings you together and shows you that, hey, we're a team. And I think that is the whole point of our promotional decoration. Um, You see a lot more customization. I think it's become easier with a lot of the major manufacturers out there who do it. Some of the wholesale distributors who feed our 35,000 ASI distributors product, they are also actively pursuing this customization. And the example i like to give is in the past, it's much easier to take that phone call on the 1-800 number, pick the goods from your warehouse, and ship it to your customer. That's a very easy process, and that's really the standard operating procedure on how our business works. But to take that extra step and say, hey, you can have that shirt in the catalog, but we'll do the piecing on that color block polo in your colors, all of a sudden now you're a much more important supplier to that customer. And that customer, that ASI distributor is going out to their customer base and saying, I'm not going to give you what's in the book. I'm going to give you something that's yours. So I think it means a lot, this whole customization phenomenon, and I am seeing much more of it.
0: Yeah, I love what you said about, about a custom color. What do you say, though? I mean, I've heard some distributors and decorators, and even, you know, they'll talk about their, their end clients who will say, well, you know, I have a high ton- turnover in employees, so if I customize shirts, you know, uniform shirts, then it's not cost-effective. So so how do you answer that objection?
1: Well, I, I think the answer to that question is, let's go back to the uh, hospitality. Let's go restaurants. Let's take uh, fast food, McDonald's, Burger King. The turnover is what, fifty, sixty percent? It's astronomical the turnover. It's part of the business. So in those cases, in those businesses, I think you're gonna skew more to knit driven. Why? Because knit driven is less expensive. You're not going to be doing some uh, custom nail-head woven shirt that might be, uh, you know, I don't want to pick a number, but on on more on the expensive side, where we usually will see more knit product in the market. Knit product is faster delivery. Knit product, it tends to be less expensive. And when we go to the king of all promotional products, what is it? T-shirts. When you talk about apparel, it's T-shirts. Why? Because T-shirts are an inexpensive, relatively inexpensive way vehicle to talk about your event or your company or your employees and and really have something that talks about you and your company for a very low low cost base um, so i think in the cases where you have the high turnover and everything you can still have the customization but you're going to tend more and let's take a polo a polo is a good example you could say here's 25 stock colors I'll make these colors any way you want me to make them in this shirt. As long as you stick with these 25 colors, I'll give you your custom, quote-unquote, custom polo shirt. But it's still a relatively low cost. And that helps you combat the fact that 50% of those employees are going to be gone in a month, and you'll have another, another crop of new employees.
0: Yeah so, really, is an issue? yeah, so really it's just a, it's just about about being creative. So, I just want to switch topics. This is a little bit more serious, um, and but I know that, that you're an expert in this area, so I want to get your take. We've heard a lot over the last couple of years about unsafe working conditions in overseas garment factories, the collapse of yeah. the Rana Plaza factory in Bangladesh, um, where the building owner was indicted on the death of workers. Um, there uh-huh. is only one that's been widely covered in the media, and Stitches has actually uh, covered it quite uh, quite a bit over the last year or two. How do incidents like these affect the way North American suppliers source their apparel?
1: Well, I think it's a very hot button. It still is, and it was two years ago, certainly. What happened in Bangladesh was the Tazreen factory fire, and a number of months later we had the Great Plaza building collapse. Both uh, factory tragedies together, I think, were about 1,500 or 1,400 people lost their lives, which is unbelievable astronomical loss of human life. And I think those two incidences, especially the plaza building collapse where over 1,100 people died, opened the eyes of a lot of the North American consumer on where their apparel is being made. And people forget, and, and I've talked about this before for the last year, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory in 1912 in Soho, New York, not far from my office on Broadway, we lost over 240 young women in a tragic fire where the doors were locked, the windows were locked, the fire escape wasn't working, etc. and there was a huge loss of human life. That was only 1912. That's not too long ago. And you have to remember that as developing nations develop, developing countries are where the apparel industry usually finds its foothold. Why? Because the apparel industry is one of the easiest industries to start if you have a good population of uh, bodies uh, workers at your disposal why because you need a building you need some sewing machines and you need good lighting that's all you need so developing countries tend to be the countries where you'll see the garment industry start to develop and as countries develop and a good example will be China as China becomes and and really comes into a middle-income or a, uh, a middle class develops in China, you're going to see less apparel production. What happened in Bangladesh was a, a real a lesson for us that we should be aware of where our product is being made. And it's a responsibility of the manufacturers and the brands who are making the product to make sure they're in certified factories or in factories that don't promote child labor, they're in factories that have uh, fire prevention standards, etc and i think a lot of people really opened their eyes um, you have to remember that when you look at china and let's take china for example in 1982, when china received most favored nation in this country from the united states government we all kind of flocked to china and started making our apparel that was nineteen eighty two that's not too long ago and we took a cost base for apparel manufacturing that was almost predominantly hundred percent made in america we started making it offshore we started in taiwan we started in japan we started in korea and then we moved to china in 1982 in the early 80s if you look at american products that consumers buy in this country the only product that's gone down in price in the last 20 years has been apparel it's not automobiles it's not dishwashers it's not electronics it's not your lawnmower it's apparel everything else has gone up so, we have, as American, North American consumers, we've been kind of spoiled. There's a cost to that. The cost to that is we're in developing countries where there are some unscrupulous factory owners out there who just want to make the buck. Human life is not as important as it is to us. And these things happen. The Plaza factory was built on a swamp, uh, it was built in Dhaka, Bangladesh. I started going to Dhaka in 1990. And it's been—it's amazing when you think about it. In 1982, there were 500 factories in Bangladesh. In 2014, there were over 5,000 factories. So what's happened is the almighty dollar has driven these these factories to be springing up. There's been not a lot of concern with human safety, fire prevention, etc., social conditions, and we ended up with some really bad factories. We have a responsibility, I think, as consumers, to ask the question, where's it being made? And you have to remember that I have a $9 Oxford shirt, for example. I can bring that shirt home and make it in Arkansas. I can do it next week for you, but that $9 shirt is $18 once I do that. Is the American consumer going to pay double for that product if I bring all my production home? I don't think so. So we have a responsibility to make sure we're in the right factories, And there are certified, uh, organizations. Uh, One I use is called RAP. W-R-A-P. Or Responsible Apparel Production. And that is, in my opinion, a, a good touch base for us to look at. Is this factory certified? These are independent organizations that will go in. We can use SGS labs, ITS labs, who will go in and do audits. So I think we all have a responsibility. But what happened in Bangladesh, is no different than what's been happening in China in the poultry industry, for example. There are fires every week, every month, where there's a loss of human life. And again, go back to 1912, the Triangle Shirt Waste Factory. It wasn't too long ago. So it's, it's almost something that we have to accept as a developing nation in a developing industry, which in the case of Bangladesh and Apparel is... You know, there's 5,000 factories, but quite frankly, there's about 4,000 of them that you and I wouldn't want to step in. And the problem is not a Bangladesh problem. It's a problem that's happened all around the world. It's probably happening in Vietnam. It's happening in Cambodia. It's happening in Lesotho. Wherever there's a developing nation, you will see apparel usually crop its head up because it's a very easy industry to get into if you have a human population. You can teach anybody to sell. So,
0: so really, I mean, you, you've kind of touched on things that, that suppliers can do and things that distributors can do. You know, distributors can ask their suppliers where they're sourcing their goods from. Um, and it, it just sounds like there's a lot of things out there that we can do as an industry. It's just a matter of suppliers and distributors doing them then.
1: Yes, um, but if you flip through the wholesale distributor catalogs, And I don't want to mention names, but the biggest suppliers we all have in the industry, we know who they are, flip through their catalogs. And you'll see in the beginning of all the catalogs, they talk about the organizations that they are part of when it comes to social compliance and factory inspections. The wholesale distributors are talking about it. Why? Because they want us to know about it and know that they're on board. And it's very important because in this country, we kind of got swayed by the 9.99 everyday low price. Let's go, let's go, just get that polo shirt for nine bucks. But we didn't think about where it was being made. And he woke woke up one morning and picked up the New York Times, and 1,100 people died. And people went, "Whoa!" And remember, this is important. What I'm going to say: when you went through the, the ashes of that building collapse and the Tazreen fire, which was, I believe, four months earlier, both in Bangladesh. There were labels in the ruins, labels from companies that were traceable. Every one of those companies said they didn't know they were there. So you're telling me that you didn't know your shirts were being made in that factory, then you shouldn't be, you don't deserve my business. It means you gave your production some middleman who went out, and found a low cost cost factory to make the shirts, put your label in it, and bring it back to America for me to buy, and for me as a manufacturer, I read those articles, and I was like, you're kidding me. Of course, of course they knew. If they didn't know, then they shouldn't, then they don't deserve my business. And I think that's something we all have to be very cognizant of. There's a responsibility of the manufacturer to make sure the environments and the working conditions where the garments are being made are socially compliant. On payroll, they're with the local standards and laws are. Overtime, uh, maternity, uh, pregnant women in third world countries, they, they strap their stomachs with cloth. So they're not seen to be pregnant, so they don't get fired. I mean, that's a good example. That happens. That happens in a lot of factories in third world countries. Why? Because if they're pregnant, the the managing director will fire them on the spot. So we have to be aware of what's happening in these factories, and it's really the responsibility of the manufacturer. But the power is with the consumer. Why? Because you're buying a shirt. And if you insist, I want to make sure I'm in socially compliant conditions, then that's an issue, and I'll bring up something because this is a very good company. I'll mention it. They're called Carhartt. They're a great company. Every product Carhartt makes in the world is made in a RAP certified factory. Period. End of story. J.C. penny is the same. And if you're not in a RAP certified factory, you can't make anything for them. And that's and that's something that we should look upon and say that's the company that we should look up to and say they are manufacturing product all over the world. But they're saying, we have to be in this standard. And, you know, let's face it. The garment industry is famous for, hey, have I got a deal for you, $7 flannel. You don't want to know where it was made, but it's a $7 flannel. And I think this is like the little wink-wink that us as North American consumers have always looked about. We we want that $7 item, right? Of course we do. But at the end of the day, don't you ever wonder where it was made?
0: Yeah, so a lot of it, a lot of it is really about... Um, you know, awareness and and accountability. I just want to shift uh, to one final topic. Um, You've given us a lot of great insights into that, and and I think that our listeners are going to really appreciate that. Um, The price of apparel. So it fluctuates, you know, in past years because of of the price of cotton and petroleum. What do you think is going to happen with apparel prices in 2016 Uh, and maybe slightly beyond? Will they stay stable or increase?
1: I'll tell you how I look at it as a manufacturer. I'm asking my factories... And my piece goods suppliers, my fabric suppliers, for reductions. Why? Because globally, the economies globally are. Look, we got some issues, right? right? Greece, we got some big issues out there in the world right now as far as financial issues and economic issues. So I'm looking for price rollbacks in my manufacturing costs and my raw materials costs because the demand, I believe, is a little less than it was in past years. Number two, cotton is very healthy right now. There's a very nice cotton stock on the world global market now. China in the past would buy up cotton yarns and hold them, buy up millions and millions of pounds of of cotton and hold it. They have decided they do not want to do that anymore. There are four major countries who supply most of the cotton in the world. Believe it or not, the United States is right up there at the top. United States, China india and pakistan what happened in the cotton crisis in about 2010 2011 was that we had horrible flooding and weather conditions in pakistan we had cold weather in china and we had china buying up a lot of these yarns at the same time what happened we had a cotton shortage what happened prices went crazy i had one oxford cloth i run the price doubled doubled in one month essentially putting me out of the Oxford business for a little while because I couldn't compete with that. and My customer wasn't going to pay me. So in answer to the question, Nicole, I think we're all going to find stable apparel prices into at least the next year, into 2017. Uh, The cotton stocks look good. Um, Globally, nobody's beating down the door in China to make 20,000 dozen out of pop right now. Even the mass merchants there are being very cautious on their inventories and their buying habits. So all that put together, supply and demand, right now I think you're going to find things stable going forward.
0: All right. Well, that is fantastic news. Um, Thank you so much, David, for joining us for today's Strategy Session podcast. And thank you so much for your insights. This has been the latest episode of ASI's Strategy Session Podcast. To listen to all of our podcasts, go to com slash podcast.